Right, thank you very much Anne-Marie for that introduction and um, I'd just like to echo what you said about David Rafe. I mean, lots of what I'm going to talk about today was inspired very much by David's work, the work he did with Jim Gallagher looking at convergence and divergence across the UK. So our recent book on higher education across the UK is actually dedicated to David and the work that he did in this area and we really do miss him a lot. So I, um, I'm going to go through quite a few slides um, and, oops, falling at first, oops, Anne-Marie, can you just help me with this? I don't quite know why it's not uh, moving on that. Mm -hmm. I need to put it on. Oh, was it? Sorry, you're going to have to do it manually. Okay, that's no problem. No problem. Oh, it's not going manually either. <laughs> Talk to myself. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to Sorry about that. No, you're quite right. What's happening here? Okay, it's just obviously got stuck. Yeah, it got stuck. There we are. Okay, okay, so it's now working. Thank you. We'll we'll give you a shout if anything else untoward <laughs> happens. Yeah, this is it. Um, so obviously, higher education is hugely important at the moment, and is I really one of the points I'm going to make. It's it's very very political. People very often s uh, settle on one particular set of data, or even a particular subset of data, to make a particular political point. And there's lots of confusion about social justice and fairness um, and whether indeed Scotland is fairer than the rest of the UK in terms of access to higher education. So I'm going to be looking at the social characteristics of students in Scottish higher education and in different types of institution, saying just a little bit about the financial resources that are dedicated to different bits of the education system in Scotland, because I think this is actually very important. People make all sorts of political pronouncements, but when you look at the funding streams and what's happening, you learn a lot from that as well. And then, of course, the big question, does free undergraduate tuition automatically produce a fairer system? Um, so, I'm not going to say very much about this, but I'm drawing quite a lot on an ESRC project which was funded um, during the course of the referendum and we looked at higher education particularly, um, thinking about what would happen if Scotland did split from the rest of the UK, um, how would the higher education systems continue to function as a UK whole or whether that would, they would break off into increasingly different bits. Um, and so we, we did interviews with young people, key informants, and an analysis of PISA data. And so I'm going to be alluding to this research all the way through, uh, but I'm also going to be looking at some of the very recent HESA stats that have come out. Um, always, I think, in this area, we have to be thinking about what we mean by social justice. And I would really say that all of the documents, whether it's green papers from the Westminster government or the Commission on Widening Access, 
that has just come out from the Scottish Government or indeed the interim report from the Diamond Committee in Wales. I do think there's a lack of attention to what's actually meant by social justice. How would we know fairness if we actually saw it? Um, and I think that a lot of thinking about higher education does boil down to a belief in equal opportunities. In other words, the kind of belief that if you give people uh, equal chances, but then things turn out differently for different groups, that's okay. It's certainly blaming the victims of the inequalities, you could say. A much more stringent approach, of course, is an equal outcomes approach. And that really assumes that if different groups emerge in different places in the system, we should assume structural inequalities have brought about this outcome. And I must admit, I certainly would always tend towards the equal outcomes approach rather than the equal opportunities approach. So I do think that when we see structural inequalities, we need to begin by looking at what are the root causes and what can we do to change these things. Okay, so there is an ambiguity, I would say, in the Scottish Government's objectives. Um, as you know, we have an SNP government in Scotland. It was a minority government from 2007. And then in the next parliamentary term, it became a majority. That was meant to be stopped by the Scottish electoral system, but it actually didn't. But relatively recently, they have started to pay attention to inequality in the Scottish education system. Because up until now, it has really been assumed that because we are nice and collectivist in Scotland, we must have equality in our education system. We have a thoroughgoing comprehensive education. We have a slightly smaller proportion of young people in private schools, so we must be equal. But I think Labour has pushed the SNP to look more closely at the inequalities which are evident in the Scottish system. So this is a statement, it's taken from the interim report on the Commission on Widening Access which published in December 2015. The government's ambition is that a child born today in one of our most deprived communities should, by the time he or she leaves school, have the same chance of going to university as a child born in one of our least deprived communities. Now again, what on earth does that mean? Is it an equal opportunities approach? It probably is, because if you've had the same chance and then you don't for some reason take advantage of those opportunities, then you have only yourself to blame. So I do think it's hedging lots and lots of um, issues there. It's not clearly going, to, it's not clearly saying we want there to be equality in participation in universities by students from different groups, although governments do make different statements at different points and they often contradict each other. Anyway, free university tuition has become the flagship policy of the SNP and this was particularly highlighted in the referendum debates. If you look at the white paper on Scottish independence, which came out in 2013, this was one of the key social policy areas which was meant to mark Scotland out as completely different from England. So whereas the English system was entirely marketised, the Scottish system, according to the white paper, was entirely untainted by the market, something that most of us in the higher education system didn't recognise. But Anyway, it, this very, very stark contrast was, was drawn. And First Minister Alex Salmond uh, actually placed a stone at Heriot Watt, engraved with the following words, the rocks will melt with the sun before I allow tuition fees to be imposed on Scotland's students. And you can see 
the rock, which actually hasn't yet melted in the sun, although I'm not sure little bits of ivy are beginning to grow over it yet. <laughs> this actually was, it appeared completely unannounced one day. There didn't seem to be much discussion amongst the staff about this. And of course, there are dangerous things when politicians start to carve things into rocks. Um, so the question, has fairness been delivered? Um, one of the things, I'm going to show you this by flipping through a few stats quickly in a minute. Actually, Scotland has a lower rate of university participation compared with other jurisdictions in the UK. But it does have a higher HEIPR, Higher Educational Initial Participation Rate. That's your chances of being involved in some sort of higher education, not necessarily getting a degree or even HNC and HND, but having some involvement with the higher education system up to the age of 30. Um, so in 2013, Scottish HEIPR was 55% compared with the English rate of 47%. And I'm going to say a little bit about this having been achieved in Scotland through a much greater use of colleges and what are the pros and cons of that for the disadvantaged students who are tending to be the ones who are going through this particular route. So, just looking at the latest UCAS figures that have come out, these came out in December 2015 and show quite clearly that um, is, this is 18-year-old entry rates for disadvantaged areas by country of domicile. So you can see that Scotland, I think this is actually very, quite important, has the lowest rate of participation from students from the most disadvantaged areas in the whole of the UK. And again, this is not something which emerges very strongly from Scottish Government pronouncements, although I think it's important that we do recognise this. And this is also true for the application rates which have just been published for 2016. You can see that generally, apart from Northern Ireland, they are on the increase. Um, and of course, this the, the fact that participation rates for poorer students from England has continued to increase was exactly what people didn't expect to happen after the tuition fees were trebled. Um, so this has confounded the kind of very, very dire predictions which came from many people when the tuition fees were increased. And I think it is quite interesting. Of course, we see a kind of pattern all over the place for people from advantaged areas, but of course, uh, people from advantaged areas have much higher chances of going to university right across the UK uh, between four or five times um, as great a chance. But again, you can see that in Scotland, there's lower rates of participation for people from advantaged areas as well as from disadvantaged areas. Uh, and that's the application data as well, which shows a little bit of a narrowing, but the broad pattern the same. This is showing Scottish data for the different SIMD quintiles, and it shows very clearly that you have exactly the same hierarchy of participation as you get in other parts of the UK. Um, one of the things that is quite interesting, this is actually showing the differential between participation by the most and the least advantaged. And the gap in participation is actually lower in Scotland than it is in other parts of the UK. And again, this is a figure that is used to say Scotland is fairer than the rest of the UK. But this is actually achieved by Scotland having very capped numbers for absolutely everybody. Um, and 
it's interesting that when you look at what is happening to students from the poorest areas and selected institutions, you can see quite an interesting pattern. So University of West Scotland, the green line at the top, you can see that there is an increase, and it's far higher than the four ancient universities that I've put in there. So actually, students from SIMD20 are actually overrepresented in the University of West of Scotland, which is an interesting combination. Uh, it includes Paisley University and also Bell Colleges in there as well. But when you look at the ones at the bottom, University of Aberdeen, seems to be uh, the weakest in terms of including students from disadvantaged areas, and also St Andrews, you see that they're actually recruiting fewer students from the most disadvantaged areas. Glasgow is the best of the four ancients because, well, of course, people in the East Scotland principle say that's because of where Glasgow is and of its hinterland. It's much easier for Glasgow. So there is a, a lot of um, people using geography as an explanation of their poor, but also somewhat declining rates. I wonder if Danny Dorling is going to... Oh, so I don't quite know why that didn't appear there, but Danny Dorling, writing in the THES, and this um, is quite interesting in terms of um, how people make selective points. He said, in contrast to England, Scotland shows what a real narrowing in inequalities would look like. There, the most dramatic change has been in the proportion of children from the most disadvantaged quintile of areas going to the highest tariff universities. How student applications continue to rise in Scotland, even as they begin to stall in England. And then he goes on to talk about wider recent changes in Scottish society, such as the growing confidence in the country's ability to govern itself, may be just as important as what the universities are doing. So people extrapolate, they take one little bit of data, and I think make quite big leaps in terms of the uh, judgments that they're making about it. In fact, the Scottish university sector has been pretty quiescent in terms of accepting the numbers and the cap numbers that they have had from the Scottish Government and in not criticising um, Scottish Government policy because they've actually got very, very good settlements relative to other bits of the education system. But they're now beginning to get restive because there is a little bit of a tightening of resource and particularly institutions like Stirling uh, who haven't seen the growth that, let's say, institutions like Southampton have recently, are beginning to complain because the Scottish policy of free tuition means that the numbers are capped because the government can only afford to um, fund a certain number of places. And so, whereas the cap, as we know, has been lifted entirely in England, in Scotland it is very fixed and controlled. Um, so, the Scottish government responds all the time by saying, Entry to higher education in Scotland is based on the ability to learn, not the ability to pay. And the Scottish Government is helping over 120,000 students studying in Scotland by not charging fees. I do think that the mantra of the Scottish Government, the ability to learn, not the ability to pay, is a bit problematic because it does assume that middle-class students are four times more able to learn than working-class students. So it's sort of contradictory, I think. But anyway, that is what they keep on saying. When we look at patterns of inequality, I would say that broadly speaking, we do have the differences in the fixedness of numbers in Scotland compared to the openness of numbers in England, which is making the big difference. But 
the broad pattern of inequalities is not really that different. So in Scotland, despite all the stuff about how equal we are, we can see that 55% of independent school entrants are going into the ancient universities. That compares with about half the proportion from state schools, and you can see the, the social class gradient there as well. And it's really not that different in England, although in England, a slightly lower proportion of independent school entrants are going in to the Russell Group universities. So on some measures, Scotland appears to be actually somewhat worse than England in terms of inequality rather than better. I wanted to say something about the college route, because I do think that this is actually quite important. This is how Scotland has actually achieved the higher HEIPR. And there are definitely um, pros and cons of this. 23% um, of HE college students come from SIMD20 backgrounds, so they are overrepresented in the college. And of course, the upside of that is that colleges may be close to home, may be very friendly, um, unthreatening and so on. Also, of course, this is never said, it's much cheaper for government. College places cost a third of university places. But it also has to be said that only 50% of HN students progress to university and almost always to post-92 institutions. If you do an HN, C or HND, and you want to go to Edinburgh or Glasgow or one of the ancient universities, you almost always have to go back to year one. It's like a snakes and ladders thing. So it would take you six years to get a degree in that way. So in 2013-14, only 12 students from SIMD 20 areas progressed to ancient universities with full credit. So we're talking about a tiny number of people getting into the older universities. And this has huge implications for people's life chances. I mean, the Scottish Government treats all universities as the same, but to do law or medicine, for example, you have to go to one of the ancient universities. And of course, it must also be said that Scotland would look a lot worse on widening access if education hadn't gone into the ancient universities. This is again a different pattern between England and Scotland. In England, education went into the post-92 sector. In Scotland, it went into the, um, the old and the ancient universities. So that continues to give their widening <coughs> access appearance quite a big boost. I just wanted to say something very brief about the distribution of the education budget in Scotland, uh, because I do think that this is important. Higher education continues to get about 1.5 to 2 billion when you add on all the different bits. Compared with that, colleges get 0.3 billion, primary schools get 1.8 billion, secondary schools 2 billion. But we must remember, of course, that primary and secondary schools are catering for the entire population for seven years. So you can see that the resource, which is a finite resource, is relatively concentrated on a particular sector. And yet, we also know that if we actually wanted to make a difference, a real difference, if we wanted to have equality in participation rates from people in different areas, we would have to have equality in school outcomes. And that's the big area where Scotland is actually doing very badly. <coughs> These are the types of stats that the Scottish Government publishes, which I don't think are particularly understandable for ordinary people. But this does show that 
uh, if you live in a more advantaged area, you are twice as likely to get one higher as if you live in a less advantaged area. And when you look at the highest qualifications attained by Scottish State School Leavers by SIMD Decile, you find when you look at the final column, which is looking at the percentage of school leavers likely to be qualified for direct university entry, you find that only about 10% from the most deprived areas would qualify, compared with about 50% from the most advantaged areas. <coughs> so clearly, if you want people to have equal chances, as the Scottish Government says it does, then that would be the place where you would have to make the changes. And that would require massively bigger social changes than universities doing more widening access initiatives, which of course can make some change differences for individuals, but are not going to make anything other than marginal changes. We did talk to Scottish policymakers during the course of the ESRC project, and funnily enough, you do get a kind of split. People in the, the ancient universities, um, and I suppose the old universities, have been relatively happy with the free tuition because their funding, they were worried about the funding gap, and this is something that they return to when it suits them, but they were very happy that the Scottish Government kept up, at least initially, the funding between England and Scotland, although now they are getting worried because they see a funding gap opening again. But, I mean, a principal from an ancient university would say, the bottom quote, I think in the long term, free tuition will promote access. It will promote more inclusivity and fairness. I think in the long run, what we're doing in Scotland is sustainable, and what they're doing in England isn't. Um, and that also has been the view of UCU, Unison and the NUS. But college managers, colleges have taken a total battering in Scotland. Their numbers have been reduced from 30 to 14 and the reorganisation has been handled really badly with most of the money, it seems, going into rather large severance packages for managers of the old colleges. Uh, anyway. They're very sceptical. You know, the rhetoric was that the stones would melt in the sun in Sophie Hall Street before they would impose fees. That was a bit of rhetoric, which I think was designed for public consumption, which is, we're Scottish, we value education, those Philistines in England don't. Um, and that really is the view of the college system. There is a lot of tension between universities and colleges, and the colleges feeling that they've done very badly. There's also big scepticism in the college sector about the university's commitment to widening access. They think the universities um, talk the game, but they're not really interested in that at all. And I must say, when you look at what's been happening in some ancient universities in Scotland, you would say, well, they've really been pulling out the stops in terms of changing the social profile of the students. So conclusion, how fair is access to Scottish higher education? I do think in Scotland, we do have major problems with distributional justice, with how the good things and bad things in life are distributed. And certainly, free university tuition has not been the magic wand, the panacea, that the Scottish Government continues to tell people that it is. I mean, it has been described as a middle-class benefit. And when you look at who is taking advantage of the universities, particularly the old and the ancient universities, that offer much better um, access to professions and so on, you would say that it's the middle classes who are largely, who are the greatest beneficiaries. 
So overall, free tuition in Scotland has not achieved higher rates of participation overall. In fact, participation in universities in Scotland is lower. And it certainly hasn't achieved higher rates of participation from students from disadvantaged backgrounds. That's not the main issue at all. The issue is what's happening in the school system. Um, certainly, myself and my colleagues have argued that we need a much more nuanced debate which is detached from political posturing and is actually asking much harder questions about what you would really need to do if you wanted to achieve equality of outcomes in this area. And certainly looking at what's happening in schools, and this is a separate <coughs> topic, but there are very worrying things happening in the school system at the moment in terms of different opportunities being, uh, being made available to young people from different social class backgrounds through the Curriculum for Excellence which has actually just been adopted worryingly by the Welsh Government. Um, and so I think that if there is an ambition to make things more equal in the future, what's happening in the school system is going to mitigate against this. Stop. Thank you very much.